Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, um... I was stunned by this today. Absolutely stunned when I saw the this headline. The Innocence Project um, is going to take on Scott Peterson's case. You know, obviously, um, that back in 2002, Christmas Eve. Um, Lacey Peterson, his wife, went missing. And he was convicted of murdering her um, and their unborn baby. He always um, And has been serving uh, his life, life sentence. sentence. Well, originally a death sentence, and it was overturned, and now he's uh, life without pro- possibility of parole. I, this was absolutely stunning because I think the general public has all felt like they got this one right. He was the guy. Um, I'm not sure the general public has changed that opinion. I know, and I the, don't think they have. The Innocence Project uh, has looked at this, and they are saying that there's certain evidence that was not turned over or that they found um, that suggests that there were other possibilities than Scott Peterson taking Lacey's life. Right, and someone who... Uh, knows this case uh, inside and out is the is Mark Garagos, who represented Scott Peterson and has always felt uh, haunted by the way this case turned out, this trial turned out. Uh, and I would imagine he is extremely interested in the fact that the LA Innocence Project is now taking up this case. So joining us is Mark Garagos. Mark, welcome back to TMZ Live. Hey, Thank you. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. I have been haunted for going on, it's hard to believe, 20 years on this. I, uh, I, I will endorse what, uh, the intro to the extent that at least in real time, I think I knew the evidence as well as anybody and uh, lived it for years and will tell you that I've always felt much to a lot of people's chagrin that he was innocent and that he was convicted based on a lot of other factors that had nothing to do with evidence in the courtroom. So, Mark, I'm, I'm confused by this, because typically, at least, and I'm just saying from my limited experience with, with Innocent Project, Innocence Project, that they find evidence that directly leads to the innocence of the person who was convicted. My understanding of this, please correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, <laughs> um, my understanding is that this doesn't so much prove that Scott didn't do it, it just opens up other possibilities. Well, it opens up other possibilities, but also it comes on the heels of a hearing that was done, ordered by the California Supreme Court uh, at the same time that, or roughly the same time contemporaneously with reversing the death sentence. You will remember, Harvey, I think we talked about this in Charles, when they reversed the death sentence, they did it on the basis that the judge had used the wrong standard during jury selection. He basically excused any juror who was against the death penalty. And while that was, and at the time I was objecting and saying, judge, you can't do that. You have to ask one further question. Can you set aside that belief and still judge the case? 
Why is that important? Because normally people who are pro-death penalty are also pro-prosecution. Well, if that was good enough to reverse the penalty phase, I've often wondered why is it that you can go forward on the guilt phase with the, and have any confidence in the same verdict. So then there was a hearing that was done as the juror misconduct, along with uh, the juror that was nicknamed by the media Strawberry Shortcake. That judge denied the hearing, but it became apparent during that hearing, I think, that there was no there there when it came to the evidence. And I think that's probably what intrigued the Innocence Project. And um, frankly, to some degree, I'm gratified that after 20 years that uh, a third party's taken a look at something that I thought was a, an abomination uh, in the first place. But you, Mark, to that point where you I think the general public would, would hear what you just said and say, all right, that's a technicality about the jurors, and, and maybe the judge was completely wrong to use that standard. But to Harvey's point, it's not pointing to actual evidence that says Scott didn't do it, which is what we usually hear with the, with the, when the Innocence Project gets involved with something. So at least initially, the public is kind of raising an eyebrow going, why are they getting involved in this? You know, one of the interesting things about this, having lived it in real time, and I always used to say it, and generally, I used to say, um, professional women were his harshest critics, Scott's harshest critics. You could go through what the purported evidence of the case was, and I could debunk it. Or you could say, well, he was fleeing from Mexico. And I could point out, no, he was actually on the I-5 heading for Canada in the direction of Canada going north. They could say, well, he had dyed his hair to hide. Say, no, he was doing that because he was trying to continue to work, and he didn't want the media haunting him when he was a salesperson on the road. You can debunk all of that, and ultimately what somebody would say to me is, well, I don't care. I used to have a boyfriend that was just like him, and I could see where he would have done something like this. And so there was this idea that because of the cheating, that that made him guilty of murder. And there was never any compelling evidence that he was, that number one, that he was in any way connected with her disappearance, let alone her murder. And I think that's what is so important about the Innocence Project getting involved. They have looked at this, presumably, have looked at the forensic evidence, and there was a wealth of new forensic evidence. Remember, this is also the case where, for the first time, mitochondrial DNA was used in California. Well, even after we had done the hearing on mitochondrial DNA, that didn't provide any evidence showing that he was guilty. So. I welcome this. I, I think it's about time that he get a fair shake and a new trial. If you got a new trial, and if you're right that the problem is that jurors um, have a, a take on that relationship because of their own lives, if you get a replay, how's the result going to be different if the jurors go in with that kind of prejudice? Well, one of the problems that we had last time that we... You know, I discussed it on the record. It's in the transcript with the late Judge DeLuke is where do you try this case? How do you try this case in an atmosphere that is not supercharged? I made a huge mistake in that case. I had agreed with the prosecution to not have TV cameras in the courtroom. That was the biggest mistake I made in that case, because if people had watched the evidence as it unfolded, there would not have been that kind of drumbeat for a conviction that there was. Harvey, I have been around these kinds of tabloid cases, supersized cases for 40 years. I've never seen 
anything, and maybe you've got some footage of it, of when that verdict was announced in Redwood City, and there were thousands of people surrounding the courthouse cheering as if they had just won the Super Bowl. Uh, you're not going to have that atmosphere this time around 20 years later. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, wow. this will be very, very interesting. Uh, it's gotten uh, so much attention because you're right, uh, because of the, the attention that it had 20 years ago, and now to see that there's a possibility of, uh, you know... <laughs> a new trial. A new trial is astounding. So we'll, we'll be watching. Uh, Mark, thank, thank you guys. so much for being with us. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Okay, we are going to move on. Yeah, uh, to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Boy, this is a win. What this is a win. What started out as a really bizarre trip to Germany, bizarre was, as we told you, uh, customs stopped him when he landed in Munich, and there was a whole thing about the watch that he had not declared. He paid a huge fine. And they hauled him to a bank to get ATM money, which he couldn't get, and then they... Started as an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, he, he for three hours, the police were shuffling Arnold from <laughs> banks to credit card machines to pay 10,000 bucks for this watch that he was auctioning off tax. for his climate change foundation. I think Arnold would say that it was all worth it. Oh, yeah. Uh, because they had the auction for charity, uh, and that watch that caused him so much heartache to get into the country ended up being a record-setting, part of a record-setting night for charity that Arnold put together. And it was hilarious. Yes, and he did some stand-up. So uh, we should have say the watch, and we estimated that the watch was worth 100, over $100,000. It ended up auctioning off for almost three times that value. And wouldn't $190,000. And, and, and wouldn't have gotten that much if all of this didn't happen. Yeah, I think all of that probably uh, aided in the final, uh, so, so, final bid. So you gotta watch this. Arnold just totally played into it uh, as the lead up to the audience. I had no idea that he had this He's kind of stand-up comedy He's chops. funny. We always start things with a lot of drama. That's what we saw yesterday. I mean, can you believe that? That all of a sudden I was in handcuffs? Not because of the watch or because of the customs office. But I had a hot night with my girlfriend, Heather, last night. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. No, but seriously, the woman here at the customs office said, if you don't behave, I'm going to put you in handcuffs. I said, I said, hey, that's okay, that's a great deal. Because usually I paid $500 for that. <laughs> He handled this so perfectly, and he's so comfortable up there. He's like a stand-up. I know we think of him as an action star, but his level of comfort up there delivering those jokes, and it paid off. The whole thing raised over $1.4 million. So this was incredible. Raised money for climate initiative of his, is a pet project of his, and it's a really great night. Yep, it really was a great night. And, I mean, this was a record, because German, yeah. he's in Germany, and in Europe, they don't raise as much as they do in the United States. This was a record. So good on him, and it's for a great cause. Yes, great indeed. cause. Okay, taking a break. All right, when we come back, speaking of uh, huge sums of money, Snoop Dogg says he got an offer for $100 million if he would just show the family jewels. What stopped him or who? Uh, you will find out when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Uh, Alec Baldwin is uh, not done in New Mexico, or, or the prosecutors in New Mexico are not done with him. Uh, they said they were looking at possibly filing new charges, and they made true. Uh, uh, they they did follow through. They, they followed have through on that. Charged him again with involuntary manslaughter. You got to remember 
that this case was a fiasco for the DA in Santa Fe, and they ended up having to drop the whole thing. They have now resurrected it. Yeah, the charge here is one count of involuntary manslaughter involving the negligent use of a firearm. No surprise there. It's the same charge that we saw the first go around when the charges were dropped, given, you know, sort of they tried to escalate the charge with various things that went wrong for the prosecutor. It was a fiasco, and it, it ended up getting dropped, but they left the window open, and prosecutors have been signaling that they're still investigating here, and now the grand jury has charged them again, so he will face a charge of involuntary manslaughter. Well, hold on. Can you make, yeah, well, how can they, so they charged him with that before. They right. ended up dropping it. Right. Right. Why? Because I think this just doesn't make sense to the layman. You go, wait, you charged them with it and then you dropped it, but now you're charging them with the what same they're exact saying thing. Is, what they're saying is, is they did more the investigation, but I'm not sure what else they've done. I mean, I know they were. it was a whole thing about, did he pull the trigger? Did he not pull the trigger? I get all that, but I got to tell you, from the get-go in this case, if you remember, the Santa Fe DA, they tried to use a law against Alec Baldwin that wasn't even in effect at the time this happened, which is just Bush League stuff, and they ended up walking away with their tail between their legs and saying, oh, we shouldn't have done that. I was shocked at that. I've never seen such sloppy work by prosecutors it, before. It starts to feel like they're just out yes. him. And I, yes. I think that cloud hung over the case for a while, Charles, but remember those forensics about whether or not that gun could have been fired without pulling the trigger. Remember Alec Baldwin did right. that interview where he said he fiddled with the hammer. They did a lot of investigation about whether that gun could discharge. And I think that's a key piece of evidence that's gonna hurt you him know, going forward. You know, it may be, but when you really get down to what, what the nuts and bolts here, the bottom line is this. Alec Baldwin believed, as everybody else did on that set, that there were not live rounds in that gun. And there were live rounds. And yeah, maybe he was negligent um, by, you know, arguably pulling the trigger, pointing the gun, whatever. Right. But, you know, but it's isn't that the whole point? It's, I mean, it's, I, it's on the armorer. And she's the one who's being prosecuted as well. And I just don't see, as Dan Rather would have said, I don't know if this dog's gonna hunt. Mm -hmm. That, you know, Alec, you know, to charge this guy with the death of her. You know, when, you know, they've already dropped the charge. They had that. That's the part I don't get. Well, there's no new evidence. Is there, Derek, in the documents, do they right. say? The, the document doesn't point to any new evidence, no. but remember all this forensic stuff that came out. It sounds like they'll be using that against him to they're undercut gonna try his to earlier prove, statements. They're, they're going to try to prove you pulled the trigger. He's going to say, no, I didn't. Remember, this is a reasonable doubt case. All he has to do is show reasonable doubt. I agree with you. I think this is a case where they want to get this guy, and that's mm. what's going on here. All right, guys, my name is Polo from Houston, and I personally think this Alec Baldwin situation is kind of bogus. I feel like the reason that the charge was thrown out before is because they couldn't make it stick. I personally don't think that he should be charged. However, Santa Fe has picked up the charge now, another involuntary manslaughter charge, and I'm just kind of trying to see how this is going to go. But I personally don't feel like he should be charged at all. I feel like there are people in place for him to do a job. He's there to do one job, and that's to act. I don't think he should be charged for doing his job. Yeah. Okay, uh, we are going to move on. Yes, uh, to Snoop Dogg, who we've talked about a lot of being an incredible entrepreneur, right? Great businessman. He knows how to make a buck. He knows how to make a buck. How about 100 million bucks? Uh, he actually turned down a hundred million dollars. Yes, he did. Um, now, it may have something, no, it definitely has something to do with what he would have to do, which doesn't seem like a lot, uh, but here is Snoop explaining what OnlyFans told him he would have to do and how much he would make 
He talked about this when he's on the Wake and Bake with Double S Express podcast. Yes, there was some waking and baking going on, but this is an incredible story. One of the little girls, she made like 20 million on there, right? They was like, uh, OnlyFans wants you to come on there, Snoop, and do, you can do about 100 million. All you got to do is pull that thing out. I'm like, I got a black wife. Ain't no way in the world she gonna allow me to go on there and pull that thing out for no amount of money. <laughs> so what, what's weird is I, I didn't know that Snoop Dogg's wife was his manager, but apparently, I, I think it's basically they're saying he could have made up to a hundred million, which I don't think there's any way because even but if he, he would have made a lot well, of money. He would have made a lot I of mean, money. I mean, he would have posted that photo on OnlyFans. It would have got leaked. I don't think that many people would be, you know, spending the money. But regardless, a hundred million dollars. I mean, I'm recently married, but my wife would let me do that for a lot less. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say uh, Snoop Dogg's wife. There are some wives who are very overprotective of their husbands, but I just wanted to shout out that my husband's available OnlyFans. So if you want to, you know, commission him. The price can be significantly lower Guys, than hundred million. Everyone's, everyone's you're, you're, selling themselves you're here. You're selling what? your husband now. Jeez, what is going He's on? He's a hottie, here? and I will save the rest of it for the OnlyFans uh, conversation. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. Well, there, there's your offer. That may fans. actually. Who knows? Maybe they'll watch this and have But it is kind of crazy. I mean, look, he wouldn't have made a hundred million, and Devin's right. It would have leaked. And but he's else. basing that, and I'm sure OnlyFans is basing that on the fact that there are people who are not have no fame whatsoever who are making $20 million. That's the point, is right. that people are making millions of dollars. In fact, we're doing an OnlyFans documentary right. for one of our uh, documentaries that's gonna air on Fox uh, at nine o'clock, eight East, eight Central uh, on Monday nights, beginning this coming Monday. And one of them is OnlyFans, and you can make millions of dollars off of it. So they left that money on the table. Yeah, well, Shantae's running a strict show. Jeez. And she is not giving away the family jewels. Hey guys, it's your girl Brie, and I just want to say from the west side, as a stoner, Asante to Ashante, or to Ashante. I'm bringing out the Swahili, because you know what? As a lady who loves ladies, black, white, orange, purple, alien, I was about to say, you know, nobody wants to share their man. You want to, you want them pushing like Drake at the concerts, but I, I got contradicted, so obviously for black women, nobody wants to share. Well, mm. you just heard Nikki in the back say well, she yes. Said black women don't want to share. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> okay, fair point. I'll shut up. Uh, we're taking a break. <laughs> All right, we are gonna, when we come back, um, what is going on with Kate Middleton? The mystery continues. There are a lot of questions about her, about King Charles. We're gonna be joined by someone who has studied the royal family very closely, just had a book that just came out uh, about King Charles and the monarchy. Robert Hardman will be here to tell us uh, what they are saying in the UK about Kate's health. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, the questions uh, and the mystery around Kate Middleton continue to swirl, and everyone is wondering what she's dealing with, uh, because as you know, the palace announced earlier this week that she had a scheduled surgery and will remain in the hospital for two weeks and has another two months, more than two months, uh, of recovery at home. Something is clearly seriously wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of questions, and then and also there's news about King Charles, 
um, that he's gonna get treatment for an enlarged prostate. So someone who knows a lot about the royal family because he just spent a lot of time putting together a book that is getting a lot of headlines. Robert Hardman is the author of The Making of a King, King Charles III and the Modern Monarchy. And he's joining us right now uh, to talk about Kate, Charles, William, Harry, all whole, of it. The whole brood. The whole kit and caboodle. Robert, uh, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Robert. Hi. Hi, gentlemen. Good evening. Thank you, uh, first of all, for joining us, and congratulations on the book. I, you, look, you seem so plugged in. You are so plugged in with this book that can you help us? I mean, look, we're not asking you to tell us what the diagnosis was or what the medical issue was, but it sure seems serious. You're not in the hospital two weeks even for a, a heart bypass operation. Two weeks is a long time, and two months after that is a long time. It it's clearly is a, a, a big deal. I mean, we're not being given any more details than that. Uh, yes, obviously the royals are probably the most famous family in the world, but their medical details are still you know, private information. What was interesting about uh, what we had this week was we, here we had two um, serious royal medical bulletins in the space of under two hours and uh, actually a lot more detailed than they would normally have been in the past. I mean, in the past, it would have just said, so-and-so is in hospital, we will update you. Uh, but this one was very detailed about the princess and that it said, you know, this was elective abdominal surgery and that she would be in hospital for up to two weeks and that she would then be uh, recovering and not back on duty until Easter. And that, you know, self-evidently is um, a, a big thing. And then we had the announcement about the king. Um, and I never thought I'd sort of see the words enlarged prostate in a, in a Buckingham Palace <laughs> yeah. statement. You know, the, the king has taken a view. Uh, you know, this could happen to anyone. I'm king. I'm, I'm leading. I'm the leader of the country. It's sort of, I have a kind of obligation. If something's wrong, we're going to tell people um, so that they can get themselves checked out. I mean, I don't think we'll be getting chapter and verse on it, but it certainly shows <laughs> a greater transparency, shall we say. And I, I sort of found that as I've been writing this book, actually. You spend time in your book talking about the rift. I, I don't even think I, the, the word rift Isn't does this justice um, between William and Harry. You know, my personal thing, and you know, we've covered this a lot as well, I don't necessarily see them ever um, getting back patching together, yeah, patching it up. And this really feels like a moment that if, that if there is a moment for Harry to reach out to William, this would be it. But say, I, don't see, I don't see that happening, do you? I would say never say never in any kind of royal story. Um, I'm, I'm sure that you know, there is scope, there's the possibility of, of a rapprochement between the two brothers. I think it would be very hard. But I mean, look, we saw it in the aftermath of the death of the Queen when, uh, when, they, when they went on, a, on a, an extended uh, joint walkabout. Now, obviously, that was before the publication of and the book. And, and that felt pretty um, icy. That felt pretty it, icy. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was obviously done through gritted teeth, but it was still, it was a, a sign. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think this would be the moment for... Uh, for, for Harry, and, and who knows, maybe he has picked up the phone and said, look, whatever differences we have between us, um, you know, we're thinking of you. Maybe that's happening. If it did, I mean, that would certainly um, uh, serve to start building um, bridges. But, um, you know, the, if, if whatever happens, we're certainly not going to hear it from the uh, from the William side, because, as I said, you know, he, he guards his privacy very closely. And I think that when all those childhood stories and secrets and conversations suddenly came um, tumbling out in spare um, to the entire world. I think, you know, that was a very wounding moment. Although, is that, the, I mean, is that the problem, Robert, that 
that they're not going to talk now because William is gun shy. That he does, you know, that he feels like he can't talk to his brother because at some point, whatever I'm saying is going to come out, you know, on a blog, yeah, in, a, but, in a book that he or a special that he decides to produce. Right. Well, yeah, I just think there's a sense of um, a lot of, uh, of still open wounds here, um, and I think you know both sides, both sides um, are going to have to, you know, give a bit, um, acknowledge past wrongs and that's that's the way you get to to, to move on but um you know in the middle of all this is is the king uh and he's 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 got a country to run and and i think i think we're much more likely to see harry um patch things up um with his father than with his brother in the in in the short term robert we are just about out of time but you know your book obviously about the modern monarchy and king charles's rise to power is, is, I'm just curious how the, the public feels about him there. Is there any chance that he becomes anywhere near as beloved as his mother was? Well, it, it's, no, it's very interesting you say that. I mean, I think at the start of his reign, people thought he was they were impossible shoes to fill. But there is a sort of an incumbency factor when you get the top spot. It's a bit like when you become president or whatever. You, you, there's a change of aura. Um, and his popularity ratings, I mean, they're not up to where hers were. Of course they're not. But, I mean, they're still pretty consistently, they're higher than any, any you know, about two-thirds of people are just quite happy to have a monarchy. I think there's a sense that, um, you know, this this institution actually has served us well. We live in a world of soft power. Um, you know, you look at you look at his coronation, there are close on to 100 heads of state turn up for that. That's never happened at any other event ever. Um, and and, and it, uh, overall, you know, we're lucky to have them. Um, yes, of course, they've got faults and problems and challenges. And, you know, we haven't even got onto the subject of Prince Andrew. Uh, and that's still hanging around. And there are <laughs> right, sort of right, political right. issues. But, 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 you know, it's still, uh, it's still better than the alternative. That's what, that's what the Brits think. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations on the book. The book is out now. Uh, Thank King, you. Yes. Uh, and um, The Making of a King, King Charles and the Modern Monarchy. Robert, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Hmm. All right. Okay, doke. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Paulie Shore, we got him out responding to what Richard Simmons said about his movie, the biopic that Paulie is making about Richard Simmons. Richard's against it, but Paulie's holding out hope. You'll hear what he said directly to Richard when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Richard Simmons has spoken. He is not a fan of this biopic that is in production now about his life. Uh, with I, I Paulie Shore as the fan. I think you can go even I mean, beyond that. Paulie Shore as the star. Say he's pissed. Right. And we had Paulie Shore on explaining why he wanted to do this project and he is going forward with it, even though Richard Simmons has voiced his displeasure with it. But now that Richard has spoken out, what does Paulie think? Will he have a second thoughts about going forward or push on? We found out because we happened to get Paulie uh, at LAX. Uh, I believe he's on his way to Sundance, where the short version, right. the short film that he's made uh, about Richard Simmons uh, is debuting this weekend. Uh, here's what he said about going forward with the feature film. Richard Simmons just came out with a statement saying he doesn't approve of your new film. Anything you want to say to him? Every day is a different day and you never know what he's going to say the next day. If you know anything about me, I don't come from a vindictive place. I've never came from that. So, you know, I think my whole attitude I think is, if you build it, he'll come. So my hoping, I hope that once he sees the uh, the short, he sees kind of what we're wanting to do with it, that he'll change change his tune. I love him, and I love what he represents, which is why we want to do it. People miss me, and they miss him. 
Well, listen, I think that part that he said at the end is pretty interesting. People miss me and they miss him. Pauly Shore knows that this is a comeback film for him, so he wants to do a good job with it, and I think you have to take him at his word. It sounds like he's a big fan of, of uh, Richard Simmons, and he wants to put him in a good light, so I, have no re I don't think Richard Simmons has really any reason to be upset about this. Well, the thing about Richard, and we know this just because we did a documentary on what really happened to Richard Simmons, one of the TMZ investigates, is that... He just wants his privacy. So that said, Pauly is allowed to do a biopic. Uh, right. You don't need the approval, and oftentimes they don't get approval when they do something like this. And honestly, I, I take him at his word, and I think he's, I, I believe him that this is gonna be a flattering uh, look I, at Richard I Simmons. I absolutely believe that Richard can rest easy that Pauly's not gonna make him right. look bad. I think for Richard, this is just about once the movie does come out, all the talk that there's going to be all, about it. It all wells back. That, that to him probably feels like that's the invasion of his Although you know what people are going to be talking about. Do you know what's interesting? Much. When we did our documentary, mm -hmm. we were in touch with his people, people around and him. they knew we were doing it and they were fine with it as long as we were accurate. And in the end, Richard actually loved it right. and, and even commented on it. So it's not like... So maybe that's why... Paulie is hoping that That's what I'm thinking. once it's done, right. and if it's good, and I do believe, you know, Paulie is going to, and the producers and director will do uh, a fine job. Uh, I guess that's why he has hope. Well, that that's Richard... when he said, tomorrow is another day. I right. think that's what he meant. Yeah. Jason from Ohio. Uh, I personally love Richard Simmons. I grew up watching him with my mom. So it's just all good childhood memories. And I think Paulie Shore is just a dead ringer to play him, and I think it would be a really good thing in a positive light. And I just think he has a problem with it because of the, you know, invasion of privacy. He wants to just chill out and be by himself and enjoy his rest of his life. But I think it would be a good thing, personally. You know, I, I love Richard Simmons, and I, I'm, I would love to see it if it actually... Richard Simmons is just such a great guy. Great yeah. guy. Okay, we're going to move on. So... Um, we are starting um, a new series on Fox called TMZ Investigates, which begins Monday night, 9 o'clock, right? 8 o'clock Central, as I mentioned before. We're starting out with this epidemic of stalkers and the, the, the horrendous things that are going on with celebrities over it, uh, and that'll be Monday night. We're also doing a documentary on Kanye West as part of the series. Um, and um, what, what we're looking at is... You know, Kanye West, you know, with the recent anti-Semitic tirade, the fact that he's been doing that actually for years, and other things, it is interesting that Kanye has never, he may have been canceled by Balenciaga and everybody else. He lost money. He lost money. Yes. But he hasn't been. And so one Hasn't of the, been canceled. Right. And one of the people we talked to in the documentary is Bill Maher. And we asked him about that, that so many people, like the president of Harvard, for example, you know, canceled for one passing comment on um, anti-Semitism, and Kanye's gone into tirade, so here's what Bill said. There's just such an inconsistency in cancel culture, you know? I, now, I don't think anybody should be canceled, hardly for almost anything. I'm a, pretty much a far free speech advocate. Um, but it's just interesting the way some people get, some people skate and some people get canceled for seemingly much less egregious infractions. 
Uh, and yet, uh, you know, some people do really <laughs> amazingly bad things or say bad things, and the angel of death just flies right over their house. You know, I had Kanye right here at Club Random. We did an episode with him. Uh, we did not air it. I mean, we were here for two hours. We, By the way, we had an amazing fun time. He's a very charming anti-Semite. <laughs> I mean... I had no idea that he had done it. Well, I can tell you. Do you know what happened? You know know what happened? What happened? What do you think? Well, based on our experience when Kanye's been here twice, that he went completely off the rails and they couldn't get anything that was usable. No, they had usable. Bill didn't want to put out a lot of the comments that Kanye was making because he felt like he was perhaps having an episode and that it was. He was concerned about the content, about just putting that out there because it was so incendiary. By the way, I just got to say something. I'm so excited about tonight. Bill is back. Real time is Mm -hmm. back. And he's going to have Gavin Newsom on. He's been trying to get Gavin Newsom forever. Wow. Wow. And it's going to be huge. I mean, this is such a big deal. Um, You know, he's going to ask him, are you going to run if Biden... He's got to get to that, right? Of course he's going to do that. But Bill has had a whole thing with his solar panels that took 14 months to get approved, remember? Yes. So I think that, I have a feeling that's going to come up too. If he brings out one of the solar panels. Oh, that would be the best. Anyway, it's on tonight. It's going to be great. Uh, We're taking a break. All right. When we come back, the billionaires here in California who have plans to build a brand new city, a utopia as they see it, and what they're planning here is really interesting. Why people don't trust the billionaires. They're trying to do this for other people, not for themselves. Why don't they trust? (laughs) Well, it probably has something to do with all that money. And when we come back, we'll be following it, all of it, with our buddy Damon John. An actual utopia is on the verge of being built in Northern California, at least that is how several billionaires uh, envision their, what they have planned uh, for this 60,000 acres of farmland, what is now farmland in Solano County, California. This is the north end of the San Francisco Bay. And these billionaires, in, which by the way, one of them includes Lauren Powell, Steve Jobs' widow. Right. She is in on this, and their plan is to build a incredible community that is walkable, um, that And this is not something they're building for themselves. I think immediately people think, oh, what, the billionaires are doing this for themselves. Nope. They're doing this for uh, the elderly, for veterans, um, people who wouldn't normally be able to afford homes in this part of uh, Northern California. So what's the downside here? Because there are a lot of people who think eh, they're, they're not really trusting that this is what they say it is going to be. So... Um, a lot of money going, being poured into this. Already, they've spent a billion dollars just to buy the land. So how are they going to build a city? Joining us right now to follow the money on what is California forever, uh, our buddy Damon John helping us follow the money here. Damon, welcome back, man. Um, Thank you. You, you looking to buy, some, uh, buy, buy a house up here? I would buy it there because I think this is a genius. I think it is a brilliant idea. I happen to know one of the people in there. I mean, I know several of them, um, but uh, Reed Hoffman happens to be. Oh, is that a plug in my <laughs> new Audible book on the line with Damon John, where you hear private conversations that I have? It's coming out February 1st. But I do think this is absolutely a brilliant idea. What is the downside? Well, the downside is let's just leave it back up to California where there's a large amount of homeless and drug addiction and people that cannot 
feed their families and pay their rent, and rent is averaging out around 30 to 50% of somebody's income because they're overtaxed and they are being uh, squeezed to death. So I don't think uh, the downside is as bleak as other people may think. So Damon, why do you, it, it does seem on paper like utopia. It seems like it's perfect, like, and that it's gonna create, uh, also they have to guarantee 15,000 jobs that will be created once it's developed. Not That's not just jobs in building it, but jobs that will be uh, within this town. It seems idyllic. Why well, is no, it let then- me, let, me, let, me, let me be clear. It's gonna be a show sooner or later. Because they're gonna hit the wall, right? Really? Because running a municipality, now we're gonna talk, we don't know what we don't know is gonna happen, right? Whether it's uh, where they're getting the water from or, maybe prejudice or hiring practices or people feeling certain ways. So I'm telling you this is a great idea in general, but like any idea of any entrepreneur business, it's once it's two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Why do you think the public is so uh, distrusting of this? They don't, um, in fact, this is just their plan. It has to be put up for a vote. Uh, and I believe they because it's they on agricultural it's land and uh, it's not zoned supposed for, to be agricultural land, right, right. right? So there's going to be a vote, I believe, in November. But there were a lot of uh, government agencies that were didn't understand why they were buying up all this land, and they're they seem a little uh, apprehensive to go forward with this. Why do you think? Is it just because people don't like billionaires in general? I think there's a couple of things. I think that number one, when you go like governments, when you see somebody like a uh, Elon Musk say, "Hey Texas, I know you're all freezing over there and you're all frozen. I'm going to put a grid in. I'm not going to take any of your money, and I'm going to do it from my public, uh, you know, company." And they go, "No, you can't do that." I think there's a lot of politicians that are going to lose some money. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that go into office, they're supposed to make $50,000, but they all of a sudden leave millionaires. I don't know, maybe that's a question we should ask other people. Um, but I think that also, when you think about it, yeah, you can't trust one, two people. You know, when you think about wealthy people, people are good, people are bad. And I think the immediate thing when you see bosses and billionaires, there have been some billionaires and bad people who have done really horrible things. And it's just you should be skeptical about what is the end goal. But what is the downside? Things don't look good for California, New York, and actually a lot of the country. we got to try new things. Um, but don't don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. But I think that this is something that we should try and we all should be watching them because you may start off with good intentions and all of a sudden you get tempted. But at least these people, they already have money. Yes, absolutely. All right. Okay, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Damon. We will see where Forever California goes if it, it's if really it goes interesting. forward. It's really interesting. Interesting idea. Okay, we got to take a break. All right, when we come back, Justin Timberlake about to drop a new album. At least that's what a lot of fans think. And we found some uh, evidence what the album is going to be called. He's definitely working on new music, but we found some documents that may reveal the name of this album before he does. Justin Timberlake has a big show tonight in Memphis. One night only, and I believe is like a lottery to even get a ticket. A lot of people are expecting that some point during this show he is going to announce he's got a new album coming out. And there's some other evidence that he's gonna, the evidence for that 
has to do with some documents that he filed on, on the on sly. He actually had filed a trademark for everything I thought it was. Which sounds like he the also, title of an album to me. He also filed a trademark just for those initials. Um, so, and, and he cryptically posted something uh, a couple of days ago on his Instagram where he just had those letters. And everyone's like, well, what's that all about? What's that all about? He's doing a new album. And this is a yeah. hugely important album for him. It's very important. And this could be more than an album because he also registered uh, everything I thought it was a sonic film. So maybe he's trying to do, do the Beyonce lemonade kind of thing. But yeah, this, this is kind of a career make or break album for him at this point. Uh, and maybe that was why he did the NSYNC thing this past year, because it shifted the conversation about him back to music and not all the Britney stuff and all that right. kind of things. Because if this album flops then he is just a legacy act from here on out. People will not care about his no, his new music, and he's just going to be playing the hits for the rest of his life. Which wouldn't be bad, but I get it. For, for, for the fans, it wouldn't be bad, but for him, I'm sure he wants uh, to continue having some successful new music out there. This is a, a big deal for him. So let me ask you something. If it doesn't work out, mm -hmm. does he go back to NSYNC? No, I think he doesn't want to do that. But it just means, not that he doesn't already play, you know, Sexy Back and Crimea River and all of his hits, but, you know, as an artist... You don't want to be relegated to just playing stuff you did decades ago. You want to, you know, it's, it's always the joke when a band says something, here's something from our new album, that's when you go to the bathroom. You right. don't want to hit that point in your career. Hi, Joe Burrows here from Wisconsin. Um, Justin Timberlake is the king. He could do whatever he wants. He's been the butt of every joke in the beginning, but he's proved to everybody that he can do just about anything. Everybody loves him. If he wants his own label, he wants his own rights, he should take it. Nobody should have a problem with that. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, whatever happens, he's one of the most successful musical acts in sure. uh, music. Uh, okay, what else do you guys want to talk about? Man, Marcus from Houston right here. I wanted to talk about this L.A. Innocence Project and Scott Peterson mm. trial. I asked myself, there's only two reasons why they would even pick up a case like that. One would be an ultimate marketing campaign for their business, or two, they really, for real, for real, know something. And if they really, for real, for real, knew something, why would they wait 20 years to actually pick up a case like that? Yeah, I mean, in fairness, that has happened with the Innocence Project where sure. they don't learn for real, for real until, until you know, later, for whatever reason. If someone says to them, right. hey, did you guys know that this happened in the case? Take exactly. a look at this. That's, so. that's how these things happen. Uh, one more. My name is Aisha Taylor. I'm from Clearwater, Florida. And um, I wanted to talk about Snoop Dogg and his OnlyFans. I absolutely respect Snoop Dogg for respecting his relationship with a lot of people don't do these days. So for putting, like, just putting his relationship in consideration of not doing OnlyFans really speaks volumes. Yeah. Okay, uh, we are going to take a break. All right, when we come back, uh, Barack Obama's got some competition in the family when it comes to filmmaking. Malia Obama just had a big debut and there's something very interesting about her debut, something she dropped, and the question is why. Big weekend in uh, Sun at the Sundance Film Festival yep. for one Malia Obama, although... Uh, nope, 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 I don't nope, think nope, we nope. should say that. Uh, yeah, our, our lower third there is technically it's incorrect. It's Even though the person you are seeing uh, arriving at the premiere uh, is, to your eyes, Malia Obama, but nope. when you see... The short film that she wrote and directed, it's called The Heart. That name is not on it. Instead, the name is Malia Ann. So here's the thing about it. She's clearly That's trying name, to distinguish herself uh, from the Obamas and doesn't want people to think she's there only because she's an Obama. It's sort of like, okay, I, I mean, I get that. I understand. But you that, know it's Malia Obama. Right. You're already visible. Everyone 
everybody knows. So. My thing, which is that Barack Obama will run a studio someday, it's on track, folks. Oh. It's on track. Unless Malia beats him to it. <laughs> Malia Ann. Uh, Malia Ann. Uh, have a great weekend. We will see you Monday.